Well, friends, my name is Austin. I am uh, one of the pastors here, and we are uh, at the end of a series called Disconnected that we have felt like as a church and as a season, and Kyle talked about it, as we have been disconnected from one another, and we are, in a, we are longing to be reconnected. And we believe that that happens through relationships, that when we are disconnected, we feel isolated, but when we are connected, we feel in unity and bond and deeping in our love and care for one another. And so instead of just talking about relationships, and we will in a minute. One of the things that we wanted to do um, is to offer us a time and a space um, to talk to one another, to grow in your relationship with one another. And so how we do that is we take five minutes at the beginning of this uh, that might feel awkward to you, uh, but it's an opportunity. We have coffee and we have pastries and we have water and tea over uh, in the back for you to go and, and to grab something and then also have a conversation on the way to go. And the way we're going to do that is we have another uh, uh, hot fire like question that I hope will bring some great answers. And I want to know about this. Is the question this morning is, what board or card game do you refuse to play? And I want to hear the story on why. Tell me, because you don't just like this game. I want to know why. So take the next five minutes and go share with one another. Um, as we come back, um, I wanted to make you aware that this whole series um, has been crafted and created by our students. Our students have asked questions about what, do, what does the church not talk about in relationships and what do they want to hear more of. And so when we've talked about this, um, this one question came up uh, on every sheet. And so we wanted to really not just give it one week, but we're going to talk about two weeks. Last week we talked about the purpose uh, that God created in friendships, but this was the question that they asked. How do I make friends? And obviously that's a, it's a simple question uh, with a lot um, to drill down into. It's not just how I make friends. How do I keep friends? What does Christian friendship look like? What's different about being a follower of Jesus and have friends? How do I, how do, I do this in life? And so as they've created this in the, in, and talked with different students, we said, like, man, this is uh, such a deep place um, of desire for um, young people to understand how to make friends. And one of the things that I think is so so important when we talk about this. We're not talking about like friends in general. Like there, there could be like a whole year when we talk about friendship in general. But as a church, like I want to lament the reality that we don't do as great of a job at being friends as we should. We are called the community of God, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. And yet relationships and friendships are sometimes the hardest thing to build within the church. Um, but this morning I'm going to talk about this one aspect of not only talking about the purpose um, but what is the uh, what is the actual practicality? What is actually the nuts and bolts of what Christian friendship looked like? And really, our uh, the the main thing that we're going to talk about is that Christian friendship is discipleship. And so, as followers of Jesus, we are discipling ourselves after Jesus. And that Jesus didn't just come to operate to build an organization that has a good structure, a good CEO, a good board, and then you just get to operate and run your specific thing. He came and he lived this out in discipleship with the disciples, um, with calling 12 people, but then also we're talking about his, his three, his 12, and his 72. And so if you are a disciple of Jesus, that means that my encouragement would be is that you are friends within the people that you call your community. And that's here at Pine Lake. And so, um, 
And we're going to talk about um, what is uh, not only uh, the practicality of it, but we're going to talk about uh, just what God does in the midst or what we are called to do in the midst of our friendship um, in the church. And so if you will join me, uh, we're going to focus in on one verse. Uh, it's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. So you can either pull your Bible out and you can look in the context or you can just uh, read it on the screen with me. And it says this, just real sweet. As iron sharpened iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And in this context, Proverbs is um, Solomon is giving and passing on his wisdom to the next generation. And in this, he says, as iron sharpens iron, so uh, a person sharpens another. And last week we talked about, we want to have a framework of what biblical friendship looks like. And we talked about this definition that I looked at in, uh, from the Gospel Coalition. Um, it's Tim Keller and a bunch of other uh, pastors. And he says this, and I want to hone in on a couple things. Biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ. Pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. Rather than serving one, serving as an end in itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ, who brought us into friendship with the Father. It is indispensable to the work of the gospel uh, in the earth and the essential element for what God has created us for. And so we talked about last week what God created for. He created us for relationship and for friendship, but in there that it is with intentionality and vulnerability. And so this morning, as we talk about iron sharpens iron, the the first thing that, that came to mind is like, really, there's two things that um, will happen in your life in terms of friendships. Friendships will either sharpen you or they'll dull you. And speaking of dull things, uh, in our kitchen, <laughs> our knives, like we got, when we got married, uh, one of the first things that we did and we got on a retreat was we went and bought uh, uh, to Bed Bath & Beyond and we bought a nice, really nice knife set, right? Steak knives, right? Your chef's knives, all the knives that you need, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And then years went by. Years went by, years went by. We just used them and thought nothing of it. And then all of a sudden we get to this point where we, we find out that there's a good reason maybe <laughs> why we have them so dull is we, our, our three-year-old at the time, Ellie, had snuck out in the middle of the night, grabbed the big chef knife, and you know how big that is, went and climbed into the refrigerator, pulled out the cheese, and began to cut the cheese and have some late-night snack for herself. And then proceeded to put the cheese back in the cheese drawer as well as the chef knife. And so uh, to my uh, knowledge of coming in the morning and then pulling out, opening the refrigerator to get, you know, breakfast in the morning and seeing a chef knife in there like, oh my gosh. The damage that could be done. But our knives were so dull. And you know what? You think that that's a good thing? But actually, I was as I was leaning into like, what does it look like to sharpen knives and to keep knives? It's actually a dull knife is dangerous. Because it means you have to cut harder, you have to press harder into whatever you're cutting, and so that if you make a mistake and it slips and it cuts you, then a dull knife actually cuts deeper than a sharp. So the damage is done worse by a dull knife. And it just got me thinking, whew, how many of us are dull knives and we do deeper damage? Because we're not in relationship, we're not sharpening. We are dull knives, and we're dull people. That when we are, when we're rubbing up against in relationship with one another, we actually can do more damage as dull people who aren't being sharpened than people who are just 
sharpened every once in a while. And so our, as we talk about like the reality of being dull, but the reality of being sharpened is if you want to keep your knives really uh, sharp, you don't just wait until, you know, years pass and they're dull and then take them to somebody who sharpens them up. That's what we do. Don't be like us. But sharpen them all the time. My friend came, uh, who, Christopher, who came up here, who is the food service manager. I remember him coming over to my house, and he just was like, hey, let me just teach you how to sharpen these things. You have everything you need, so let me teach you how to sharpen it. And every time you use it, you should sharpen it. And I thought about that as like, every time you use it, you should sharpen it. And I thought about discipleship. Discipleship isn't in friendship, isn't a, something that you do every, like, two or three years. It's something that you do all the time. Discipleship and sharpening yourselves in friendship with one another is something that you do daily. It is not an infrequent thing. And the reality is that often I think that our friendships, we use them in a way of saying, hey man, my life is really dull It's and I need it to sharpen up. I really need it. And so now I'm going to go to someone that I know is a, is a mentor or is a friend that really knows Jesus. And I'm just going to spend a little bit of time and so I can get my fix, get sharp, and then I'm going to go and do my own thing for a bit. But that's not the intention of friendship. The intention of friendship is not to be used in order that you might grow a little bit and then dole out. And so what do we do if we are supposed to be sharpened? What does that actually look like in our friendships? Well, Christian friendships, so friendships and discipleship takes time. It takes time. You can't be in a friendship with somebody else if you're not in proximity to them. Church, I'm just going to say that really, like, clearly. In the seasons where we have, where we have online church, online church, love it. I'm so glad that when we go out of town, even when I go out of town, that I can, I can tune in and watch uh, Pine Lake, the church that I love, and the people that I love, and the friendships that I have. But the reality is, is it disconnects us. Because you're not in proximity to the person and to the people who you call your community, and thus you don't feel connected to them. You feel disconnected. And as I was looking at this, like what friendship does, friendship actually takes time. And I was researching, it says that, um, that to build friendships, that you actually need to spend 50 hours with someone to move them from being an acquaintance to being a casual friend. Like when we talk about using this fixture of like 72, 12, and 3, when you talk about it takes, if you want to be into the community of God and you want to be casual friends within the broader community church, you want to be connected here to Pine Lake Covenant Church, you got to be spending 50 hours with people in this room in order to move from just saying, I recognize your face, to actually being casual friends. But if you want to move from casual friendship... To an actual friendship, you need to spend on average about 90 hours with them. So if you want to be in the 12, in the circle where Mark talked about having trust with somebody, a community of friends that you have trust with. We talked about the, the, the Mark talked about in the first week, that ring of 12 is really a place where tr- God trusts the disciples with the gospel and with the kingdom. The 72 was the one that had mission oriented around it. To feel like you're on mission, you need to spend 50 hours. To feel like you have trust with one, someone else, you need to spend 90 hours with that person. Over this last week, I've probably spent um, a good 30-some hours with, with a gentleman in this church uh, doing work on the house that we're going to move into. And I'll, trust, and, I, and I'll tell you, the more that I um, am around this person, the more I trust this person. The more I listen to their guidance. 
not just in life and how to, to do work in the house and not hurt myself, but really like to, to rub and to, to be sharpened by this man in his faith, in his life. He's moving from a casual friend to a friend, someone that I learned to trust. And if you want to have a best friend, that's saying that you, this best friend that you consider a best friend, somebody in the three that you spend 200 hours with this person, 200 hours or more with this person. When we talked about what the three represents is intimacy. You need to develop a consistency and a time and a commitment to this person so that when things are going well, they're the first ones to celebrate with you. And when things are going terrible, they're the first ones on your doorstep. They're not calling, they're not texting, they're there. And this is what Christian friends, I'm not talking about friendship and culture. I am talking about friendship in the church for us as Pine Lake Covenant Church to be in relationship with one another, to say that we're not just acquaintances that recognize each other's face, but that we were, we move from acquaintances to casual friends, from casual friends to friendship and friendship to being intimate best friends takes time. And that means that if you are the most faithful person and you show up every Sunday, and you spend 52 hours here, everybody in this room will just be a casual friend. And this is often why we and people in the church say, I don't feel connected with my church. And I'm just going to be honest. It's because we're not there. Not only does it take time, and I'm not getting legalistic. I'm not saying like, you must be here 30 hours. You must be here 50 hours. And I'm not saying like, you have to hit that 200 mark and then you'll be best friends. I'm not getting legalistic, but I'm saying there's a progression of your time and your presence and your commitment to that person and sharpening one another. That means that you start to grow in your relationship with them and grow in your relationship with Christ. As iron sharpens iron, so one another sharpens one another. It takes time to learn to trust. It takes time to learn and to hear from them the good things, the hard things, the bad things. So when Christian friendships sharpen each other, they do so through transparency and accountability. As you spend more time with that person and that person feels like they have more of an invitation into your life and to say the things that they need to say that disciple you, that call you to be a more... um, mature follower of Jesus, it does so not ignoring your faults. This is the great thing about Christian friendship. It doesn't ignore their faults. It actually says you're very transparent because I got rough edges. I've got rough edges that need to be worked out. I have made mistakes with you in our friendships and I'm going to. You have made mistakes with me that in that transparency, you say, I've got rough edges. I'm not ignoring that. We all have them and we all need to work them out in our friendship with Christ and with one another. That as we look to Christ and we say, Christ, I'm going to conform my life to yours. What you do so is with transparency and grace and forgiveness saying, I know you're messed up. You know I'm messed up. We're wanting to grow in our relationship with Christ, which means we've got rough edges that we need to smooth out, and we're going to do so transparent with the reality of who we are. But we are also going to hold each other accountable to the way of Jesus. 
Not saying that you're going to be perfect. Not asking you to be perfect in your friendship, but to say, we're not saying practice makes perfect, but practice makes progress. That as you, as you disciple one another, as iron sharpens iron, you start to smooth out the rest of the edges, and then when you come up against something that you're like, hey, I thought we were working on that, but why does this still exist in your life? You have the ability, because you spent time with them, to call them out, to hold them accountable with grace and mercy, as well as truth. You're living in a way that's counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love you as a sister and a brother, and I'm going to call you out and hold you accountable, not to shame you, but to sharpen you so that you become more like Christ. And accountability means we don't walk away. We stay. It means when things get rough, and when things and people that are people are pointing out, that your friends are pointing out that you don't like, you don't run, you stay. And we ask this question consistently through transparency and accountability. And I love that this is kind of an ethos of our denomination, our church, that we started. They ask this question consistently in their accountability of one another. How goes your walk? That when friends met together and consistently, they would come up to each other and go, how goes your walk with Jesus? And because you spent time with them, and because you have transparency, if you look at that person and say, man, it's going great, I'm good, and they're like, that's not right. I'm going to call something on that. You can fill in the blank of what you want to call. Because you know them and you spent time with them. You're transparent with their life, and you've also been like seeing other things, and you're going like, hey, I'm doing good. <laughs> I've looked at your family, you ain't going good. Not as a judgment. But as a loving person that says, I might have been there already. I might be in that season. I might be out of that season. And I'm here to come along to say, we are called to be followers of Jesus. Disciples of the way. And so we hold each other accountable. But Christian friendships, most importantly, we sharpen ourselves and we sharpen one another through a common mission and purpose. This is what distinguishes us from the friendships of our culture and our world. Is that our friendships as Christian friends aren't as a mean of, uh, of themselves. They're not an end of themselves, but they are centered around sharpening the mission and purpose of our lives. Is to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. To glorify him with our lives and to bear witness to the truth that he is who he says he is. He did what he said he would do and he is going to come back and fulfill everything. Your friendship with one another exists to sharpen each other on a singular mission and with a singular purpose. That while you go and you do the things that you you love to do with one another... Like maybe it'd be golf, maybe you'd go on to, to sports, maybe you'd be going to like on hikes. Whatever you do that is th- common practice, that when you gather together with a Christian friends, it's not for that thing, but for the mission and the purpose that you are fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ who is fully in love with him, fully accepting the grace because you are a sinful human being. And you are, have been so far away and that Jesus offered you grace and mercy and forgiveness and a way and a friendship back to the Father. And you realize that when you're, when you're friends with another Christian is that your desire, your, your job is to be a disciple who makes disciples. Because you realize that you are a friend outside of the family of God, but that you have been adopted in 
And you have brothers and sisters in Christ, in Christ who is the head of the church, and you say that because I remember that I was once out and now I have been adopted in, the mission of God is to not only to be discipled so that I become a better follower of Jesus, a better son or daughter of the King, of the God of Most High, and for the purpose that others might know the same joy that I found when I entered into the family of God and found a friendship in there that was unlike anything that I'd ever seen. And church, this is a reality and a desire that, that God wants to play out in his church, wants to play out here in Pine Lake. But we have to say yes to friendship that reflects our mission and purpose, that reflects our vulnerability, our transparency, our accountability, but also has the willingness and the ability to say, I will give you my time. Church, this is something that's not easy, but it's the witness and the model that Jesus offered to us. Evan, can you put that 3, 12, and 72 back up? This is the model of the church. And when I say something to you and to all of us, if we're operating in a model other than what Jesus created, you're reading or living out a gospel that's not true. To say that now that you're a disciple of Jesus— that you're a son and daughter, that the purpose of friendships in your life must change. It doesn't mean that you can operate in a community in isolation. Because when we're not living out this connected relationships with one another, you're hurting the church. And you're hurting Jesus. I just think of all the students that wrote that, those questions. Like, how do I make friends? Do Christian friends even make a difference? What's the difference between Christian friends and non-Christian friends? And what I'll tell you right now is I don't know if there's a lot of difference in the church. I know there's a different model. It's the model I want to live to. But I'll tell you as your pastor, I'm not perfect. I have to be here a long time. And a lot of hours. And I just don't want to have time for you. we got to get to a place where the community of God that God has called us to is not just a place that we worship him, but we collectively build friendships that deepen our love for Jesus. Because when iron is sharpened, when we're sharpened by one another, we bear witness to the truth is that there's something different. And the way that you operate looks different than what I've seen. And how do you look so shiny? How do you look pure? How do you not have the rough edges? And what you will do is because I have a Jesus who has adopted me into a family, not because I deserved it, because he offered me grace and mercy. And he called me friend. And he put me in a family that I don't just say like, I have a in-laws and I just don't really care for them the family of God that loves one another in the same way that Christ loves you. So my challenge to myself, and I'm going to just say it really bluntly, our love and friendship for one another can be a litmus test for how much we love Jesus. If you're not in friendship with one another in the way that Jesus was, friendship with three, the 12, and 72, my question to you is, how much do you love Jesus? How much do you actually love Jesus? That he would allow and empower you and to change you and transform you to be friends in the way that he was friends.
with the three, the 12, the 72. I'm going to let Mark up here, uh, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for your friendships here and amongst the church, for some healing that needs to be done within one another. So you join me in prayer. God, we see the ways in which you are doing a thing here. Lord, you are doing something in and among us as a community, as a family of families, as people who desire to follow you. And yet, Lord, you you don't do it alone, God, that you ask us to be part of it, that you desire for us to say yes to what you want to do in and through our families, in and through our homes, in and through our community, in and through each of our lives. And so, Lord, give us eyes to see now, just a vantage point, a perspective of relationships from your perspective, Lord. May we zoom out to see our lives the way that you see our network of relationships. Lord, for some of us, we are deeply desiring just a place to belong, to people to call our own. One another to just know that we are known by name and that someone notices when we're not there. God, some of us are just desiring to find belonging, to find a community, to find a place. And Lord, through the power of your spirit, may that be here. Lord, may that be in the places and spaces that we go in our neighborhoods, that while we create that space for others to find belonging, that we too ourselves would find the space to be. Lord, for some of us, we're in that 12 range of, of really needing the people to, to journey alongside. Mm. Those people that we can lean on when life is hard. Lord, the people that we can turn to that we know will celebrate us when you have shown and done a mighty work. God, for those of us in this space that are just longing for relationship and connection of the 12 to do life together, Lord, may we be people who open ourselves up to vulnerability and to trust and in doing so that you would just bring those people into our lives that we can look back 30 days, 6 months, 12 months from now to see unquestionably you have provided, God. And Lord, in those relationships that are close, the three, Lord, I pray for those spaces. Those people that that we desire to know us deeply, that know our shortcomings, that know our fears, that know our failures, but see our potential the way that you see us, Lord. God, in our marriages, in our close relationships, would you cultivate an intimacy, a trust, a reliance upon you that propels us to love one another. God, may we not miss what you are doing in this space. May we not miss what you are doing in this moment of time calling us to be reconnected to you. Jesus, we give our lives to you. We ask for you to show up when we say yes. Because we know that you have and we know that you will again. We give our lives to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.